Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. With each message and series from Pastors Tim and Nathan, we hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. What's up, church? Hey, it's great to be together in person today. I'm Pastor Tim. Whether you are online or in person, welcome to Liquid. We are kicking off this fall with three weeks of outdoor services in two locations, Parsippany and Mountainside at 9 and 11 a.m. And it is a joy to see your smiling faces again, albeit behind masks. Uh, I have missed you guys so much. So if you're in person, wave or honk your horn. If you're online, just type amen in the chat, man. High five to you. Hey, today I got a message for you from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's called Oil Change. This is a word that God planted in my heart this summer. Uh, a few weeks ago, the oil light in my Jeep Cherokee went on, and I thought, that's kind of weird. I have over 127,000 miles on my truck, and I do regularly check the oil, but there it was, a red light just blinking on the dashboard. And I took it into the mechanic, you know, I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know, maybe it'll be a $40 oil change. Turns out, he says, uh-uh, it ain't 40 bucks, man. After 127,000 miles, the whole oil pan rotted out. So it was leaking all over the place. They had to swap out the whole assembly. It didn't cost me 40. It cost me over 400 bucks. <laughs> Crazy. But now my truck is running smooth, hopefully another 100,000 miles after a very expensive oil change. Now I thought, you know, as we start this fall, we all need an oil change, don't we? Like as you get back into your September mode, maybe it's back to work or your kids are going back to school or maybe they're homeschooling, virtual learning, work from home, whatever your jam is. Before you get rolling down the road this fall, you and I need an oil change. Everybody say oil change. Type in the chat, oil change. Well, our scripture today comes straight from the Bible. Matthew chapter 25, first 13 verses. This is called the parable of the 10 bridesmaids or 10 virgins. And some of them had oil and others didn't have any oil. And it's a story that Jesus told to get his followers ready for his return. Um, now, if you go to Liquid Church mobile app, you'll actually see the sermon scripture listed there and you can take notes. But I want to read this short story that Jesus told in Matthew 25. You ready? Here we go. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but they didn't take any oil with them. Verse four, the wise ones, however, they took oil in jars along with their lamps. Well, the bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and <laughs> fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and they, they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil. Buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. And the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, Jesus said, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Now, Jesus told this parable. Parable is just a short story with a spiritual truth in it to describe the condition of his church in the last days 
before he returns. And in verse 1, he says, at that time. Now, what time is he talking about? Well, Jesus has been describing in Matthew the last days before his second coming, his return to earth. And he said to his disciples, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die on a cross. Then I'll be resurrected, ascend back to heaven. But mark my words, I'll be back. I will return. The, the clock on our present planet is kind of winding down. And Jesus said, there's going to come this moment in history when once again, I will, I'm sitting right now on my throne in heaven, but I am going to step off my throne into the corridors of space and time. And I'm going to return to earth to claim my bride, the church. That's you and me, all Christians. Home to heaven to live with me forever. And he said, this is what the last days will be like. In Matthew, he says there'll be birth pangs. He'll say there's going to be violence and wickedness are going to increase in the world. He says the weather is going to get crazy. Earthquakes, hurricanes, wildfires. We see all this stuff today. Famines. He says nations will be at war. The love of many will grow cold. But he says just before my return, he says my church here in Matthew 25 will be asleep. In other words, many believers will not be ready with their, their lamps lit. They're full of fresh oil for the return of Christ. And to illustrate it, Jesus describes here in Matthew 25 this ancient wedding in the Middle East, which as you can see here, looks very different than modern American weddings, right? Completely different. First off, in that day, the wedding didn't take place in a church or a chapel or a synagogue. Weddings took actually place in the groom's home. Check this. The celebration sometimes lasted seven days. Imagine hosting a seven-day wedding in your living room. Well, here's the weirdest custom of all. In the first century, the way tradition worked is the groom would show up unannounced to the house of the bride-to-be to pick up his fiance and all of her bridesmaids and bring them back to his house for the wedding. Now, here's the thing, ladies. The woman had no idea exactly when the groom was going to show up. And, and I'm sure some of you right now just pause. They're like, how cruel is that, right? Imagine trying to like get ready for a wedding and like you don't know which day it's going to be. How many of you would bug out? Be honest in the chat. Some of you ladies are like, how am I supposed to do my hair, my makeup? What about my pictures? It's unimaginable. But strange as this seems to us, sometimes the groom would arrive at the bride's home in the middle of the night. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And that's why these bridesmaids all had oil lamps. They were small ceramic jars, and they would fill them with oil. So if the groom came at night, their lamps would be lit. You get it? But notice in Jesus' parable here, when he finally shows up, the bridesmaids are all fast asleep, all 10 of them. Now, who are these bridesmaids or the 10 virgins? And the answer is they represent the church. In other words, it's you and it's me, the last generation before the return of Christ. And they're called virgins because everybody who comes to Christ in faith, we have the righteousness of Jesus applied to our accounts. So in the eyes of God, we're actually pure. We are holy. We are righteous. Thank God. Because of Jesus, God sees us as if we've never been stained by a single sin. That's why they're called virgins. But notice there's two kinds. There's the wise, the one who have lamps full of oil. They're ready for Jesus's return. But then there's the foolish ones who got no, they've got lamps, but they got no oil. They're caught off guard. They're not ready for his return. So they're shut out. So when Jesus says a midnight cry rang out, I want you to understand something. I'll teach you a little Greek. Midnight here does not mean 12 a.m. The Greek is meses de nuktas, and it means 
middle of the night, dead of night. I want you to think of like two or three in the morning when everybody is like deep in their REM sleep. We're expecting nothing. And suddenly, Jesus says, there's this earth-shattering wake-up call, a midnight cry to his followers, wake up! In other words, Jesus says before his second coming, his church is going to be in a state of deep sleep. Does that describe the modern church? Little do not disturb sign on the door? Let me be honest, guys. As I look around at what's happening in our world and the apathetic response of most Christians, I think the church today, and when I talk about the church, the capital C global church, is by and large asleep at this moment in history. By and large, we are snoring. We are asleep at the switch spiritually. That, that's the scary thing about sleep. Have you ever noticed this? Something weird about sleep. You never notice or know even that you're sleeping until you wake up. Have you ever had that happen? Like you actually sit down on the couch, you kind of like, you know, you kind of like watch Netflix, and you doze off. And I've woke up sometimes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I must have been dozing for three minutes. And you look at your watch and you realize you've been sleeping for three hours. <laughs> I mean, that's scary to me. You can be spiritually asleep and not even know it. You know, the other crazy thing about sleep is that you do things in your dreams you'd never dream of doing if you were wide awake. I had a crazy dream last month. I dreamt that I was jogging with my dog through the center of town, stark naked, completely naked. Now, don't think about that too much, but I woke up and I was like, whoa, what was that? And I thought, that's what a crazy dream. Anybody who knows me knows I would never go jogging right? <laughs> Close or not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just telling you, I came here to tell somebody today, the church of Jesus Christ today is asleep. We are involved in things we would never tolerate if we were awake. Shameful things, terrible things. We tolerate all sorts. We tolerate pornography, internet addiction. I mean, sex and violence are celebrated in our movies and our music, guys. Let's just be honest. It's like, man, we casually sing and joke and watch stuff that is offensive to God that we wouldn't dare do if Jesus were in the room. We don't just tolerate sin in America. We celebrate it. Like, guys, like, let's just be honest, heart to heart. Like, where's the outrage over the killing of babies? Abortion is taken for granted today. It's like, yeah, I know. Unmarried couples just live and sleep together. Yeah, that's just the way the culture is. Our culture right now is trying to redefine gender on its own terms, even though it's God who creates them male and female. And I realize that may be offensive to some ears. It may not sound politically correct, but that's because we've been asleep. We got to wake up, church. Remember, you tolerate things in your sleep you'd never dream of if you were awake. Things have changed so drastically in our world. Just the, the lack of civility, the way we speak to others with disrespect and contempt. You know, Christians today, we're not peacemakers, we're pot stirrers. We, we love to stir up hatred and division. We lack compassion for the poor and oppressed. And the lack of moral integrity in Christian leaders, I mean, I don't have to tell you about the long and sorry list of pastors and Christian leaders and college presidents who have fallen for sexual immorality, a spirit of pride and arrogance. Leadership failures are the norm today. You know why? Because there's no fear of God in the church anymore. And it's because the church in these last days is asleep, Jesus says. And he says, it's out of oil. Did you see that? The word, the lamp and the oil, what do they represent? The lamp and the oil. I'll show you a picture again. In ancient times, people used these small ceramic lamps to produce light, right? So they could see at night. And notice when the wake-up call comes, Jesus says, five virgins were wise. Their lamps were full of oil. But five virgins are foolish. 
they are totally out of oil when that cry came. So in this parable, you always interpret scripture, by the way, with other scripture. And the lamp in the Bible represents the word of God. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light on my path. So on the one hand, the lamp, you have word or scripture, but on the other, you have oil, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. David said, you anoint my head with oil. Jesus himself said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me with, to preach good news to the poor. So the oil represents the Holy Spirit in a believer's heart. The, the oil of the Holy Spirit, guys, is what keeps you soft and sensitive to the voice of God, to the spirit of God. So the word can actually be planted in your heart and you don't end up looking just like the world. So you catch this? The lamp is the word, the oil is the spirit, and the virgins had both. The, the wise, faithful followers had both the word and the spirit operating together. And guys, that's what a church needs to stay healthy and faithful in this very faithless time. We need the lamp and the oil. We need the word and the Holy Spirit. Say amen if you agree. We can't just have the Bible. We have to have the Holy Spirit. We can't just do Bible study. We need the Spirit to it. We can't just have the Spirit and the wonderful worship without being grounded in the word. You got to have both for a healthy church. You know, my friend R.T. Kendall, he says in the church today, he said it's like there's a silent divorce between the word and the spirit. Now, you guys know this if you've been through it. When there's a divorce, sometimes the kids stay with the mother. Sometimes the kids stay with the father. And in this divorce in the church, you've got Christians on the word side and other Christians on the spirit side. And what I have found is that they treat it either or. Christians on the word say, side say, you know what's missing today in the church, Tim? We got to get back to the Bible. We need to become stronger students of scripture. We got to know our doctrine. We got to engage this culture with conviction. And until we do that, the name of God will not be honored. Now, let me ask you a question. What's wrong with that emphasis? Absolutely nothing. It's exactly right. We stand on the word of God. But watch this. Christians on the spirit side say, no, no, no. We've got to get back to the book of Acts. We got to see signs and wonders and miracles performed in the name of Jesus. And until the church starts operating with spiritual power, the name of God will not be honored. Now, what's wrong with that emphasis? The answer is absolutely nothing. It's exactly right. But the problem is we treat it like it's one or the other. A church is either word or spirit. But the truth is, Matthew 25, Jesus says, you ain't going to have a spiritual wake-up call without the word and the spirit coming together. Your lamp has to be filled with oil. And the foolish virgins run out. In other words, yeah, they were saved. They'd been converted. They went to church, but they stopped pursuing the Holy Spirit of God. And the oil light on their dashboard was blinking red. They were out of oil. How many of you know in this hour, in this moment in history, we need a fresh anointing, church. We need fresh oil to wage war. You know, in Psalm 92, let me turn to that. David said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. In other words, there's nothing worse than stale oil. <laughs> you know what stale oil does? It not only stinks, it attracts flies. Uh, Satan is called Beelzebub. It translates to Lord of the Flies. So in other words, when you're living off of yesterday's oil, yesterday's blessing, yesterday's encounter with the Holy Spirit, yesterday's, it attracts the enemy. That's why David says, I'm crying out, and God, you got to anoint me with fresh oil. We got, friend, you need, it is the fall, and you need fresh oil to push back the powers of darkness in your family. You need fresh oil to push back the darkness in your classroom. 
You need fresh oil to push back the enemy in your business and battle for your children. We need an oil change, church. We need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit every single day. Look at me. You can't fight today's battles depending on yesterday's oil. That's foolish, Jesus says. You and I need that fresh daily encounter, presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, here in Matthew, I, I, get, I get fired up. You feel that? <laughs> here in Matthew 25, we see this word and spirit come together, and there's a spiritual awakening. There's a wake-up call. I pray there'd be in our day. You know, there's a British evangelist named Smith Wigglesworth. I love that name, Wigglesworth. <laughs> He's actually a plumber and turned evangelist, and he moved in the prophetic. And he made this bold prediction. He said, there will come a moment in human history when the word and the spirit come together and there will be the biggest movement of the Holy Spirit that the nation and indeed the world has ever seen. Do you know when Smith Wigglesworth said that? Back in the 1800s. And although the return of Christ is closer than ever, most Christians don't even act like it. We, we don't want, be honest, I think a lot of people don't want another great awakening. We just want to hit the snooze button and go back to sleep. <clears throat> Let me just tell you, it's coming. Don't be a sleepy Christian. In Mark 13, Jesus warns this. Jesus says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, middle of the night, or when the rooster crows at dawn. And here it is. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. One word, say it together, church. Watch. Everyone say it again. Watch. Type in the chat. Watch. Did you know there are 66 Bible verses about the importance of being watchful? 66. Where God says, you got to watch. And, and let me tell you what that means. It doesn't mean like, hey, you need to watch everybody else so you can criticize them where they're falling short. <laughs> it means you need to watch what's going on in this world and realize how close we are. It means you watch yourself. Are there, are there areas in my life where my oil is running low? You got to watch your heart. Is it, is it staying soft and sensitive to God or is it getting hard and callous? You got to watch your thoughts, take them captive. Watch your mouth as the day approaches. Don't become a sleepy Christian and let your oil run low. You know, Matthew 25, Jesus is, is telling us something here, church. He's trying to wake us up. He says a wake-up call is coming that I dare say is going to dwarf 9-11. You remember the morning of 9-11? We all remember where we were. How could we forget? Like literally in moments, images of those burning towers went around our world and everything changed overnight. We, in fact, said 9-11 was a wake-up call. Uh, hello, 2020. Uh, the coronavirus, that's been a wake-up call too. Think back in January. We were all making plans for 2020. I got goals. Ain't nobody saw this coming. I mean, nobody could ever predict a pandemic that would shut down the globe, infect millions, kill hundreds of thousands, shut down businesses, cripple the economy. And yet we still haven't seen true revival in our nation, spiritual awakening. You know, Tim Keller says one of the key signs of genuine spiritual revival is that sleepy Christians are awakened to see their true state. And then they, they wholeheartedly repent because they see themselves in the light of God's holiness and they turn back to God with like fresh conviction and sincerity of heart. A faith that was once cold or low on oil, it gets warmed. It starts burning again with passion for God's truth and for his mercy. Guys, the truth is this. When I look at the world, this pandemic has rattled us, but it has not caused true revival or true repentance. 
I see some people sincerely seeking God afresh, but I'll be honest, most of the world is just waiting to go back to normal, right? Back to indoor dining, back to going to the movies, back to sleep. But I'm I'm just telling you, man, mark my words, or better, mark the words of Jesus. The day is coming, and although it's delayed, it's gonna come when we least expect it and ripple around this globe. When Christ returns, I remember a verse I was reading, Revelation chapter one, it was verse seven. It describes the return of Jesus like this. Look at this. It says, look, there he is. He's coming with the clouds. And what church? Every eye will see him. And I remember thinking a few years ago, like how will every eye see him? Like if that isn't a metaphor, like will everybody visibly witness Jesus' return? On that day when the heavens part and Jesus bodily and visibly comes out of the heaven through the sky to claim his bride, how is the whole world, like every eye, going to witness an event like that? And for years, it seemed impossible. And it was impossible, well, until a decade ago. <laughs> I mean, the idea that every eye can live stream an event and see it happen, history, at the same time, not so far-fetched. I want you to imagine one day this fall and your smartphone blows up. It starts starts buzzing and, and a friend texts, did you see this? And you're like, oh, what is it, a TikTok? And you go online and you see it with your own eyes, the, the visible return of Christ and the rapture of his church, live streamed on YouTube, plastered on, on Facebook feeds everywhere, from Boston to Bur- Borneo, from Canada to Calcutta, the entire world, every eye sees the return of Christ for his beloved bride. And some are going to rejoice and others are going to weep. That, that's what happens here in Matthew 25. Those with fresh oil, they rejoice when Jesus arrives. They enter the banquet with them. But look at this. You see this? Those with no oil, they're caught off guard. They're scrambling to go buy some, but it's too late. They're shut out. Verse 11. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, Jesus said, keep watch. Watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour of my return. I mean, can I ask, are, are you ready? Are you ready, church? Because ready or not, here he comes. Friends, you and I need an oil change because the time is closer than ever. And you cannot afford this fall to let your oil run low. You know, when I talk about oil changes, I remember when I got my first car in high school, when I got my driver's license at 18 years old and my father gave me the keys to his pride and joy, his 1982 blue Chevette. Take a look at that. That is some sweet action right there, man. He had 150,000 miles on it and he drove that beater to work every day. (laughs) But before he gave me the keys, my father said, all right, quiz question, son. He said, what's the most important liquid to put in this chariot (laughs) to make it run smooth? And I'm like, no, duh, gas. And he's like, nope. He goes, oil. He pops the hood and he pulls out this dipstick. And I'd never really done that before. And he stuck it in and he wiped it on a rag. And he explained to me how the job of motor oil is to keep impurities out of the engine. But have you noticed the oil gets dirty and thick and it traps them in. And if you let it get gritty or run low, it will actually clog up the engine if you don't change it regularly. And so he said, Tim, every 3,000 miles, 
He said, never forget to check your oil. And when it gets dirty or it's running low, it is time for an oil change, son. Can I ask you, as we stand here to start this fall, is your tank full spiritually or are you running low? Do you need an oil change? You may be like, well, how can I tell, Tim? Let me, let me give you some blinking lights on your dashboard, okay? Just, just like gut check. If you find in your life that you spend more time sending snaps than studying scripture, it's time for an oil change. If your prayer life is more pathetic than powerful, it's time for an oil change. Somebody in the chat say time for an oil change. If you find yourself growing sour and you're getting cynical about life, and you're always pointing the finger at your husband or wife or your kids, it's always their fault. It's time for an oil change. Friends, if you make peace with your secret sin, you just accept your addiction instead of waging war for your soul. It is time for an oil change. Oh, I feel it. Say it's time for an oil change. Let me tell you, let me get personal. If you slice and dice your enemies on Facebook and you think you're defending God, it's time for an oil change. If you're not walking in sexual purity and you know it, but you justify it because you're asleep, it is time for an oil change. If you have not worshiped the Lord from the heart in months, I mean, you get down on your knees and you ask God, search me, purify my heart, fill me with your Holy Spirit. It's time for an oil change. Friends, it's the oil that keeps your heart soft. It's the oil, look at me, that keeps impurity out. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that seals you for Christ and gives you strength to walk straight in a very crooked world. We need fresh oil, church. Say amen if you agree. Honk your horn in the parking lot if you receive it. I'm just telling you it's time for an oil change. Spiritually speaking, there are some of you who maybe you, you received a fresh anointing from the Spirit months ago, back in who knows when, February. But you haven't had an oil change since. And I'm just here to tell you that we need to prepare our hearts this fall like never before. Because Christ's coming, it's closer than ever. I, I, I believe it's entirely possible that 2020 is a mini wake-up call, a preview of bigger things to come. And I understand that most of us just want things to go, you know, back to normal. And look, heaven knows, I certainly don't want things to get worse in our world. But I also believe that God and his sovereign plan may be using 2020 to set into motion the keystone events for Jesus's return. And the next big event, you just read it here in Matthew 25, is God waking up his church. And the question is, will you be ready for it? Will your lamp be lit? Will you be full of fresh oil when the groom returns? Remember, not everybody got in the banquet. Only the faithful Christian who had both the word and the spirit fully activated in their life were welcomed in by Jesus. But the foolish virgins were shut out. It was too late. But I got good news for you today. It's not too late today. If you're here and the ears of your heart are open, you've been hearing God's word and you realize, Tim, that's me. If I'm honest, I've been asleep. I've grown complacent during this pandemic. I'm, I'm apathetic. I'm, I'm tolerating stuff in my life that I never would have imagined. And I'm, I'm coasting on fumes. I need an oil change. Hey, friend, today is your day. Today is your day. This is your moment. This is why the Holy Spirit led you to this church, because you can change your oil right now. This is, this is a jiffy lube for the soul. <laughs> I mean, how do you change your oil, spiritually speaking? And the answer is, you repent. 
you turn or return to the cross of Jesus Christ and you fill it up with his body and his blood. That's what communion represents. We invited you, we either gave you a communion cup today or you maybe have elements there in your home. But the communion cup, the wafer and the grape juice, they represent different things. And we're gonna actually receive communion and come back to the Lord in a moment and welcome the Holy Spirit just afresh in our life as a church because we need fresh oil and this is it, guys. The wafer symbolizes Jesus's body broken for you on the cross. I need to tell you something. If you've backslidden, God isn't mad at you. He loves you so much so that he sent his only son to die in your place for your sins. He was broken so you could be whole. You could have eternal life. And this juice symbolizes the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus for you. Guys, this is what gets the impurities out of our engine. No matter how much dirt and grime and grit got in your heart, Jesus' blood can wash it clean. He says, I can make you brand new on the inside. He can give you new thoughts. He can give you new desires and fresh conviction to live for him. So if you're here today and your oil light is running low, man, this is for you. God wants to restore the joy of your salvation, give you fresh passion and power to follow him this fall. So let's just take a moment for personal prayer. I want to clear the space so you can do business with God. Just take a minute and invite God right now where you are. Just invite him to inspect your heart. I open my heart to you, Lord. Just ask him to gently surface any unconfessed sin. Ask him to forgive you. He will. Cleanse me, God. Remove the grit and the grime. Ask him to restore your union with Christ and his spirit to wake you up and give you fresh strength this fall. Just take a moment to pray and then we'll receive communion together. Father, in this moment, Christians all over the world, we are kneeling in our hearts before you in humility and we thank you for your wake-up call. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for gentle conviction Thank you for this incredible gripping hope of Matthew 25 that you are coming back soon. God, you have pricked our hearts today. And Lord, even right now, I sense there are people, Father, who feel like they're not worthy. Well, the answer is we're not worthy. But I thank you, Jesus, that you are worthy. And you received all the punishment, all the blame for our sin. And we received eternal life. Father, come in. Cleanse and forgive us through the blood of Jesus. Renew a right spirit within us to start this fall. I pray for an outpouring of conviction of the word and the spirit on the people of Liquid Church and every person under the sound of my voice. We thank you for this gift, Jesus. You are our life. You're our bread. You're our blood. You're our oil. So Lord, fill our tanks so we can live for you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening.